So today we continue our series, and what's it called? Oh no, come on, isn't it after 11 o'clock? What's it called? For whom? Yes, for you. So you need to pay attention, be interested in what God desires for each of us to grow and mature spiritually. This nine-week series is addressing essentials for spiritual life. And we have reflected on God's purpose, which is pursuing a relationship with Jesus and also God's plan, which tells us that this occurs by faith. And the way we do this is first by communicating with God, by connecting with Christians, and also by caring for others. Today's focus is on caring for others, and that's an essential for spiritual growth. Concern for other people other than myself reflects the heart of Christ. You see, if I am self-focused, self-consumed, self-oriented, I will not grow and mature spiritually. Our theme verse, which is on our message materials, our, our message guide right there on the front, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. Do you know that about yourself? See, if you see yourself as inferior, as not able to accomplish, as a loser, that's a phrase in our culture, you are not hearing that from God. God doesn't speak of his children in that way. He speaks of his children in this way. You are a masterpiece, personally shaped by Him. And He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. So you can do the things He planned for you to accomplish long ago. But that's part of you being a masterpiece, see? You may say, well, I want to be a masterpiece, which just means I'm really good looking. And perhaps you are. But in God's eyes, you truly are. But you're fashioned to be a masterpiece in accomplishing the plan He has laid out for your life. So we show that we care for others. And again, you can look at in Acts chapter 2, which just talks about the early church and how they function. But we care for others first by serving alongside each other. And this, these are steps to service first. First step is to discover your spiritual gift. All Christians receive at least one supernatural spiritual gift or specific ability to use in the church. To encourage growth in each other. To build each other up in the faith. So, who is my spiritual gift for? It's for you. Who is your spiritual gift for? It's for me and for each other. These gifts are received from the Holy Spirit when we are born again. Turn first to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And this is on 924.
Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. That's more literally translated a word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge or a word of knowledge. This just isn't, this isn't just a, you being a smart person, although that too you're fashioned by God's hand, so even that ability comes from God. But this is something supernatural. You were probably smart before you were born again. But this is a supernatural enablement. This wisdom isn't just good old common sense. And this knowledge is something that you wouldn't otherwise have known unless God's Spirit revealed it to you about some person or situation. The same Spirit gives faith to another. Now this is not merely saving, well I shouldn't say merely saving faith, that's extraordinary. But this isn't saving faith that I'm referring to. This is A supernatural, special ability to trust God, to intervene, to accomplish some great task. You know anyone that has this kind of faith? You're down, you're discouraged, you're fearful. You don't have any hope. And there's there's some people in this body that can say, oh no, trust God. Trust God. God's in the heavens. He's sovereign. And he will do whatever pleases him. And to someone else, a spirit gives the gift of healing. More literally, in the Greek, is gifts of healings. These are both plural words. So it it implies there are different kinds of healings. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Some of you have those. So we need to be practicing them, praying for them so that we will see them in practice. To another, and we've been praying for people to be healed, and uh, several have been healed in miraculous ways. He He gives a person the power to perform miracles, another person the ability to prophesy. Now, this doesn't mean telling the future. What this means is speaking what God brings to mind to challenge and encourage the church. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. That's what it says in this translation that we sell. But most of your translations say what? Tongues. Tongues. And tongues are expressing prayer or praise or even content. In a language that the speaker does not know. In Pentecost, the gift of tongues was given to many. And see, people had gathered. They were gathered for the religious festival, Pentecost. So Jews from all over, many different lands, showed up. And then the Spirit of God came there in Acts 2. And the Spirit of God enabled the speakers to tell the good news... In languages that the people who were gathered could understand. Even though the ones saying it didn't know those languages. 
It's as though we have some people from Michelin that speak French in our church. And many people that speak Spanish in our church. It's as though I started speaking Spanish. I don't know Spanish. Or I started, they heard it at least in Spanish. Or they heard it in French. That's a gift of tongues. Now, there also appears to be a gift of tongues that's, that's prayer and praise directly to God. But again, the person that's speaking it doesn't understand the meaning of it. And that's why it says, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. That's so that everybody gathered can benefit from this word. It is the one and only spirit that distributes all these gifts. And he alone decides which gift each person should have. So if you're a Christian, if you've been born again... Do you have a gift? Does ever, are you saying that every Christian has at least one gift? Do you really think that? That couldn't be, could it? Because I sure don't see evidence of that many gifts being stirred up and used. It appears in this context that Paul was addressing some conflict, some divisions in the church. Because, you know, certain people were acting like certain gifts were more exceptional, more valuable, more spiritual than others. And in the context, it likely is a reference to tongues. Although he doesn't state that specifically. It's sort of implicit in the text. But the whole principle of the Spirit being the source of gifts is that no one has them all. We all have one or more, and none are above the others. This idea that we create Christian celebrities who can sing or speak or write, that's ridiculous. That's an oxymoron. There's only one celebrity in the church, and that's Jesus Christ. The others of us have have spiritual gifts and talents that God gave us. That, that's ridiculous that we would fawn over each other or that we would desire to, to let me get up in that spotlight. That's just from a broken place in us. It's from an immaturity in us that we think that, oh, I need this, I need this gift. It means I'm more spiritual. It means I'm more influential. No, that's, that's contrary to biblical teaching. Paul compared the church to a human body, which is composed of many different parts, which are all important and necessary. How many of you have some spare parts you can do without in your body? You do? What, Dan? (laughs) Oh, you mean extra weight. I don't think God gave you that. I think you earned that. But sometimes we act like, oh, oh, here, my gallbladder, take that out. I don't need that. I'm not sure you don't. You know, I think we're going to find out later that maybe the the reason people go bald is because they don't have their gallbladder. (laughs) That really couldn't be because I have mine, and look at me. But but I don't think God made any non-essential parts and just tucked them in. He didn't make any non-essential parts in the church. But some of you are like a bad gallbladder. You are not functioning at all. 
What would happen if every one of us discovered our gifts and all of us acted using that gift? What would happen? What would happen is there would be so many gifts the church couldn't contain them and they would spell out into the community and they would change the environment in which we live. Have you discovered your spiritual gift? Do you know your part of the body? Well, I just come and listen to the sermon and you know, sing it and leave. And some of y'all even leave early. I'm asking you, please, please participate in the whole service. Don't start rolling out. You know, a long time ago, we quit worshiping at the end. You know why? So many people rolled out of here. It was distracting. So if we're going to worship, we need you to stay put. How can I discover my spiritual gift? Well, we offer a workshop called PLACE, P-L-A-C-E. And that's an uh, acrostic for personality, learning, which is learning your spiritual gift, abilities, connecting, which is connecting your passion, and experience. That's what it stands for. And in that workshop, they'll help you discover your gifts and you'll learn some places to use that gift. The next place workshop is Saturday, November 19th. You can sign up for it. You can sign up for it now, in fact. There's another list that Paul emphasizes specific leading, speaking, and teaching gifts. Ephesians 4.11, which is on 944. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles. Now, there are some denominations that use the, the um, title apostle. But speaking biblically, an apostle was someone called by God who witnessed the resurrection. So, in other words, there was a very limited number of apostles. You had to be one of the original disciples. Or Paul. Now, how did Paul, he wasn't an original disciple. How did he, where did he witness the resurrected Christ? On the road to Damascus. So, that's a, that was a limited class of leaders. I don't know exactly what churches that use that, how they classify it today. But, but biblically, theologically, that's the meaning of the word apostle. And these were the people who established and governed the churches under Jesus. Then there were the prophets. Prophets are people who speak from God to build up the community. The evangelist. Evangelists are gifted to proclaim the good news. Now, all of us have a responsibility of evangelism, and I'll deal with that later today. But some people are gifted specially. Supernaturally in evangelism. I'm not one of those. I witness and I've seen people saved. But I don't have the, the spiritual gift of evangelism. But there is one pastor on our staff that does. Anybody know who it is? It's Fenton Moorhead. And that's why Fenton Moorhead has taught the evangelistic part of membership class for all these years. Almost, I've been here 23 years on October. Well, October 3rd was the first Sunday. Fenton came... Um, a few years after me, but he's been teaching it, and we've had more people saved 
in membership class than anywhere else in the church. Because Fenton has been an evangelist all over the world. And he's been gifted. But some of you have that gift. Have you discovered it? I don't have it. But many of you might. And the pastors. Pastors are shepherds who lead and nurture the church. And teachers. Teachers instruct in God's word. And then verse 12 says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. See, sitting in Bible study for more information is worthless. We learn to serve. You see what I'm saying? Don't just keep going to Bible studies and don't even use what, you, what you're learning. You just have, you just have a Bible constipation. It's not a pretty sight. So, so the responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. These gifts reveal, these particular gifts reveal the importance of God's Word in preparing us for service. Not the importance of people who have received those gifts. Those who speak, in fact must not express their own ideas. That's why I, I keep co- coaching you and saying, if you hear something that you think is just Perry spouting, what do you do with it? Throw it away. When I'm speaking, you're not listening for whether Perry's wise. You're listening for what is God saying. What is God saying to me? And so a prophet or, the, or a speaker or a teacher isn't even called to express his own ideas, clever though they may be, but rather to faithfully declare God's words. And that doesn't mean you don't study. I study a lot to prepare. And then God takes what I, what I have studied and he turns it into what he wants to say. And, and the word in Greek is logion. And it means an utterance from God or an oracle. And the word logion is related to the word logos, which in John 1, Jesus is called the word. And the Greek word is logos, because Jesus is the expression of God. And that's what's supposed to happen on Sunday morning when someone's speaking, or or whenever Christians gather and someone's instructed. God has given people in our church these gifts. This idea that somebody talks and a lot of people listen, that's not, that, that's a distortion of, of the biblical model. So we're trying to help people discover and develop speaking gifts. And wow, lots of other women are using their gifts to teach. You know, we don't need to just get DVDs as though there's only a few people in the country who can speak for God. This room has lots of people who can speak for God. But we have to discover it and we have to develop it. The mob uses lots of people besides pastors to speak. And that's why so many pastors, different pastors preach on Sunday morning. Because other people have... Gifts that are at least as as significant as mine, if not greater. So we have to give voice to other gifts. We also care for others when we demonstrate faith through service. Back to Romans 12, 9, 13.
verse 6. 12 verse 6. In His grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. Not all things well. Certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. Now, pause here. All of us have a responsibility to give. Not all of us have a gift to give. I'll illustrate that in a moment. But giving to us generally is, you can see 2 Corinthians 8, 11 through 14, and 9, 6 through 10. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously, which means actively, which means do something with it, act on it. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We must utilize our God-given gifts to serve God by serving others. But the workshop isn't until November. Then start serving somewhere anyway. Because obviously the early church didn't have a place workshop. It's very helpful. And it can shorten the length of discovery time. But your interests and desires, as well as your abilities, will help reveal the gifts God has given you. You will be most effective when using your specific gifts and service. And you know what will happen? Other people will recognize it and comment. The church helps discover gifts. No one has them all, but we all have some, one or more. You know, I, I left law practice and, and went to work on a church staff. And I really thought my gift was administrative. That was my lead gift. Because I, I was pretty organized and I managed all the administration. Because the guy that was... The pastor, he wasn't administrative at all. But man, that guy could bring, he could bring fire out of heaven. I mean, he was that kind of pastor and, and preacher. And so I said, well, I'm no preacher. I can organize everything else. And, you know, I, I, I really had that conviction that that's what I would do for my entire ministry. You know how I found out that maybe I had a few gifts? I got married. Leanne was working full time. And... The easiest way for me to make a hundred bucks was to preach on Sunday. And I found out from others, you, you have some ability in this. And that's how I started. And then youth groups, I would speak to some youth groups and speak at different things. But it came from other Christians saying, you, you have some capability here. Well, what's your capability? So you have to be moving for others to see it and endorse it and say, confirm that, yeah, I see this in you. That's our job, is it, for each other. Now, we receive these gifts by faith in Jesus, but we're also supposed to use them by faith. They're directed and they're strengthened by the Spirit. And so these gifts, we act as stewards of these gifts, as managers or caretakers of what we've received from God's grace. Isn't it interesting how if you have an ability, most of us just say, oh, that's mine. And we don't even realize, no, 
it was given to us by grace. That includes all abilities, but particularly spiritual gifts that come when you're born again. And so these gifts are not given to be used in self-serving ways. Well, back to the giving gift. People with the gift of giving, who they just can give away money easily. But it's usually accompanied by an ability to make money. You know, there's some of us, we can't hardly make money at all, right? But there's some people, it's just like it falls out of the air in their pockets. You know who I'm talking about? Write their names down and give them, me their names. <laughs> but but the, the people who have that gift, see, God's resourcing that particular gift. It has to be used by faith. Which means they give generously. They figure out, I need this to live on. And they dump out the rest. You know, in, the, in our parents' generation, pe- people were expected to tithe. I can tell you, unfortunately, there aren't even many people that tithe in our church. So now we have people, even who make a lot of money, who cut off a little sliver. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And people with the gift of giving have the gift of making and ought to be dumping out Lots. Because whose is it anyway? See, you're a resource. The gift is God's. You're only to use it for His service. Not to accumulate it for personal attention or personal consumption. Not to try to become a celebrity. So don't ignore your gifts. Use them to care for others, to build up the body. Back to Romans 12 at verse 11. Never be lazy. See, he just told you, you have this gift. So then he says, don't be lazy. Okay, so how many of you, don't raise your hand, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Well, I am trying to embarrass you, but not humiliate you publicly. I just want to embarrass you personally. How many of you know you're born again, which means you have a gift, and you have done nothing with it? According to this passage, you're being what? Oh, no, no, that's lazy. According to this passage, you're being what? And you are misusing a gift from God. Don't be lazy. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, who knows what the word enthusiastically means in the origin? It means in God. In means in. And theos is Greek for God. So the whole word enthusiasm actually means operating in God. Some other translations of this same passage from the Greek. Remember, there's more than one way to translate. But serve the Lord with a zealous spirit. And another one that I really even prefer even more. But let the spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's what it feels like. When you're functioning in your gift, you can almost feel giddy. You feel feel excited. You know what? I'm not ever nervous on Sunday morning. But if I have to speak to 50, I'm nervous. But I can be excited to function in my gift. 
What's your gift? Service. So Roland, I've traveled to different parts of the world with Roland. And some of those I came back with Montezuma's revenge. But he didn't. But you're your happiest in one of those awful places doling out the rice, aren't you? The man's never tired. And he's a lot older than me. But, but you see what I'm saying? When you're functioning in God's gift, there's a vigor. There's an enthusiasm, isn't there? There's a, there's a like this says, there's an excitement. You ever felt that? You ever felt the Spirit of God just, just rattling inside of you because you're doing what you were made to do and gifted to do? You're missing something if you haven't experienced that. It transcends place and time. So don't let your gift lie dormant. Don't, don't be complacent. Another passage that addresses spiritual gifts is 1 Peter 4. This is a different writer saying the same thing, 980. Verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. See, we don't use these gifts relying on our own strength, our own intelligence, our own insight. We draw strength, insight, direction from God so that God alone is glorified through Jesus Christ. What have you laid your hand to do? That was so beyond you that nobody but God could get the credit. That's functioning in the spirit. Do you use your gift to glorify God? Not you. We care for others by sharing what Jesus did. And this is called evangelism. Essentials for evangelism is first, recognize my responsibilities. Acts 20, 24. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. It'll be on the outer screens. But my life is worth nothing. See, the only usefulness of your life is if you use it to serve God. Otherwise, it's dust blown away. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And this is, this is Paul. And his work was telling others the good news about God's wonderful goodness and love. What's your gift? Your life is worth nothing unless you use it for the purpose for which God crafted you and gifted you. Do you understand that you have, we all have this, the responsibility and the obligation, but also the wonderful privilege to share with others what we have received from God. In this culture, you are the primary source of the good news. That people can be saved, that people can be forgiven, that they can be cleansed from all their sins, their flaws, and their failures. That they can get a brand new start. People aren't hearing that. 
And most of the people who haven't heard the good news. Because cultural Christianity is on the decline. You know that, don't you? And there's so much shtick and, and sizzle in, in Christianity that the gospel's almost obscured sometimes. Most of the people who haven't heard the good news are not going to come to church. They're not going to tune into Christian radio. We must go to them. You know, I think the church decided that all this media and all this electronic, you know, electronic sources was going to be the way the gospel spread. I don't think so. I haven't seen the world change. And there's gospel projected all over the planet. Because you know what? The most compelling Good news comes from a person who's been blessed by it, who's received it. Now, I'm not saying no one gets saved. I mean, Rob Dempsey, y'all know him. He was saved by turning on a radio. But his life was far away from the church and Christianity. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, understand this. This doesn't mean you just pray a prayer. This means you're calling on the name of a person you now know in terms of his identity, his work, his personhood. This is spiritual awareness of who Jesus truly is. And then with a series of rhetorical questions, Paul addresses the chain of events that are necessary for a person to be saved. Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Believe that he can save them and will save them. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless they're sent? That means by God, by the Spirit. And that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. That's from Isaiah 52. How many of you have ugly feet? Come on, get them up. How many of you have ugly feet? I don't. I have beautiful feet. Ask my wife. She'll tell you I have, I have lovely feet. But the lovely stops at the ankles. But, other, but do you want beautiful feet? You want beautiful feet? Then go and tell the good news. And somebody will guard not only your feet, but your whole self as beautiful. Because you will have given life's surpassing gift. Ask God to point someone out to you to speak to. Someone to prepare to receive the message that you will deliver. His message. We care for others by sharing what Jesus did through evangelism, which also means responding to opportunities. Colossians 4, verse 5, 952. Live wisely among those who are not believers. That means this community. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious 
and attractive. Literally, the Greek means seasoned with salt. In other words, let your conversation be tasty and pleasant so people will receive it. So that you will have the right response for everyone. This passage encourages us to be alert to the opportunities to tell the story of Jesus. It also instructs us to live and interact with others in ways that lend credibility to our witness, to our testimony of faith. In other words, if you open your mouth about church, about the good news, your, your co-worker shouldn't go, what? You go to church? And if so, you're not following this scripture. Because it ought to be more likely they say, I knew there was something different about you. The way we treat people, how we act, what we say, how we treat our families, how we conduct our businesses, what we post on social media. Folks, what are y'all putting on media? Who do you want to adore you? And some of I hope nobody in this room is, but there are, y'all know this. There are people that, that are rock throwers. And they say the ugliest kind of aggressive things. And you will be found out. Come on, folks. If you're going to use it, use it for God's glory. Not to get out your anger, your frustration. It's not the vehicle. Transformation prayer is where you get that out. Not on the internet. That's, that's awful. And all these things we do, we reflect the reality or the lack of reality of our faith to a watching and very skeptical world. How do you treat waiters? How well do you tip? You know, I, I've always tipped 15%. Until a few years ago, my daughter became a waitress. And so I'm, you know, I'm peeling out. She looks at that. St- <laughs> Anybody know my daughters? They are strong women. Is that true? And so... I told my daughters, I said, okay, y'all can say anything you want to say to me as long as you do it respectfully. So they've been taking me up on that since they were five years old. (laughs) But this was Evan. She said, no, no, 20%. I said, every meal. She said, at least breakfast and lunch always. But, you know, supper, maybe you can go to 18. But no, this stingy, you know, you can't treat people like this. And you know what? She was right. Because what I write on a checkout ticket says something about my character. Am I generous or am I miserly? Do I care that this woman or man has to make a living? Or do I only care about keeping more in my pockets? We're investing in people's lives every time we sign that check. Well, that's awful petty. You you would be astounded the number of times I have turned my slip in and somebody said, I'm part of your Brookwood family. Now, I may be more visible than most of you, but I'm not more visible to God than any of you. And God can use your testimony 
passive and active, to draw someone to him. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. On 980. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, which means he controls your behavior. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Believers must always be ready to provide a rationale for their faith. But they should do it in an appealing way that's neither aggressive nor defensive. We don't have to defend God. But we merely need to tell the story of how Jesus has changed our lives. And you know what? Those changes will be obvious to all who know you. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know all the Bible. A lot of people say, hey, will you call this person? Will you talk to this person? I can tell you my standard reply. You know what it is? You know them. You talk to them. They don't need to be hauled to the principal, which is what happens when I call. You only have to know and tell what Jesus has done for you. Are you prepared to tell your story? You know, in John 9, there was a man that was blind, and and the theologians were jumping all over him. That man's a sinner, and who is he? Who does he think he is doing this? And this guy's saying, I don't know who he is. I know I was blind, and now I see. Do you have that message? You don't have to have more than that. Will you ask God to give you someone to share that with? Soul training is how do I care for others in practical ways. Let me show you the Brookwood tree. It's used in many different training areas in our church. Just a review, essentials for spiritual life. God's purpose is pursue a relationship with Jesus. You see that. How does it happen? By faith. Jesus is the living water. We pursue it by faith. And we do this by by communicating with God, by connecting with Christians, by caring for others. You know, we've been given a great opportunity to care for others. And many of you responded last week collecting over $12,000 for hurricane victims. Let's just remain quiet. I want our usher, our counselors to come forward. They're here to talk with you about your relationship with Christ, about any issue that I've touched or better the ones that God's touched for you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Please stack the chairs before you go. Have a good day.